so we leave the line out long. We don't strip retrieve it. We strip and then we drop that line back. So we strip it in, drop it back. So we're kind of pop, 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 pop as it goes across the surface. So you, yeah, your hands are busy. You don't get to kind of, you know, just put the loop in the line and stick a hand in the pocket and wait for the thing to swing. Yeah, you're uh, you're working that fly through the water the whole time. It's extremely busy and, and physically demanding. Yeah, for sure. But worth it. That was Steve Wilson talking about time and fishing, Mongolia, Montana, and the guide school today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show you want to go a little deeper with the podcast and take it to the river go to wetflyswing.com slash destination to get some info on upcoming destination trips or to connect with some of our uh, uh, guides closer to home in today's episode i talk with uh, guide steve wilson the lead at sweetwater travel and the guide school we hear about the steps to becoming a guide the man bear pig fly and steelhead versus taman find out if it is possible to flunk out of the guide school and the glory of the story, and a brand new lodge in Montana they got coming up. Don't miss this one as Steve tells the story of President Obama fishing with Sweetwater and and why they decided not to float the river that day. So, without further ado, here's Steve Wilson from SweetwaterTravel.com. How's it going, Steve? Going great, Dave. How are you? Good. Good to have you on the show. We're going to get into a little bit on the Sweetwater background, the the guide school, the traveling around the world. Um, sure. And uh, but before we get there, just can you talk about how you uh, got into fly fishing and then how you came to uh, you know be at uh, Sweetwater? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, East Texas, so obviously uh, big big bass fishing country. Um, I was about 14 years old. My dad took a job in Washington State, so. We had to transition a bit. We wanted to keep fishing, so we had to figure out the trout fishing. And, uh, you know, through that, I had somebody teach me how to uh, attach a casting bubble to a spin rod. And I was able to throw some dry flies out there and got hooked pretty early. Um, And then went to high school with a a guy who is now guiding um, on the Olympic Peninsula, Curtis Reed. And he really helped me get into fly fishing, and we did that in our early 20s um, quite a bit together. And, uh, oh, a few life situations moved me out to the state of Montana where, man, it's pretty easy out here to just immerse yourself in uh, in fly fishing. And, uh, everybody's a fishing buddy and so many cool rivers to explore. So, um, yeah, just uh, kind of got lost in it out here like so many do. Yeah. What is Montana? Do you think the difference between, you know, you get all these worldwide places to travel, Mongolia, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, right. why, why is Montana still, um, you know, such a great place? Because you think about it, how do you compare a taman to a, a brown trout, you know? Sure. Well, I think the brown trout, that's the one that uh, gets us all hooked, right? That's the one that's local and more readily available. And, uh, you know, you start catching brown trout and then you start thinking about other species. But, uh, you know, Montana, um, everything's so close. You can get off work uh, for lunch break and, yeah, yeah. and drive out to the Gallatin if you're living in Bozeman and fish for a half hour, you know. Yeah. So just so many great options and uh, so many great people to go fishing with and, and uh, enjoy your time with and learn from. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're, it's, it's pretty much there's a river within a half an hour, it seems like, no matter where you are. Just pretty right. amazing. What's it um, is. what's your uh, what what did your folks do? Uh, my dad was uh, he was kind of an IT guy before uh, before IT guys were really a, a thing. He uh, traveled and um, you know helped people out with their computer systems and uh, just got uh, to working for this company in in Washington that uh, needed their own computer guy. So they asked this uh, East Texas guy to come on out and do it and. It was a huge move for us. It really was, but uh, certainly love getting out to the mountains and, um, mm-hmm. you know, really enjoying that kind of atmosphere uh, versus the, the flat and hot lands of East Texas. So it, it changed me. It really did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. And, and when did you know uh, with fly fishing that you were, 
you know, it was going to, you were, you were all in, it was going to be your career. Um, you know, really about the time that, uh, I kind of settled into things here in Montana as a, a flooring salesman. And, um, it was really 2008. If you're working in any sort of housing industry at all, you're going to really struggle to make money. So, um, I got recareered by that recession, like so many other folks did. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll jump into this a little bit here. I, uh, had a friend of mine who took this guide school and, uh, it really appealed to me, the idea of, of guiding. I, I'd see all the, the, the trucks and guys in uh, flip-flop shorts and trucker hats <laughs> heading off to work with uh, drift boats on the back of their trucks. And here I am in slacks and a tie heading to go sell flooring, and I realized something was wrong. So that was probably about the time that uh, things really took over for me. I, I took the guide school and uh, was lucky enough to get hired by Sweetwater Travel at the time they were running the, uh, the fly shop there in Livingston. And uh, – Offered me a job sitting behind the desk there <laughs> and uh, uh, opportunity to get out and guide some of these waters around here. So that's, man, that's really when it, it yep. took over for sure. Yeah. There you go. So basically, yeah, you're a, you're an example of the Sweetwater success story pretty much, right? You uh, And a lot of the people that go through the guide school, do they tend to work for um, lodges affiliated with Sweetwater? You know, so the guide school has a, a network. Um really a worldwide but especially here in the uh um the western u.s uh alaska and and certainly other places western canada we we have a few connections down in south america um but uh no it's one of the big things we do is is we help students find a job Mm -hmm. um in the business yeah we get them we get them hooked up for their for their first job uh guiding is that part of the um i mean is that kind of a part of the deal part of like a guarantee as somebody goes through it yeah we hate to use the word guarantee any fishing guide hates to guarantee (laughs) anything right that's right but uh um yeah we do we uh um ongoing you know from the the time you graduate the class Really and truly indefinitely, we're, we're a resource for them as far as uh, helping them put a quality resume together, um, you know, kind of pointing them in the right direction as far as where to apply. And then we also have uh, a number of uh, lodges and outfitters that contact us directly. So if they're looking for guides for the upcoming season, um, they'll get a hold of us and let us know, hey, I need I need two spots filled uh can you put the word out and uh we share all that with all our graduates who are who are actively looking for a job yeah oh there you go okay and what happens to you know when you hear school you know you always think you've got people at the top of the class and people at the bottom of the class you know are people you know can you get booted out of the school can you flunk can you flunk out of the school (sighs) you know nobody's ever really technically failed um yeah but you know there's so many different avenues you can take in fly fishing and uh oh yeah our goal is to help you get your first job in the business. And uh, for many fishing guides, that first job is is retail, you know. Oh, okay. So people who don't have the most, uh, you know, the most boating skills or fishing skills or, or may just need to work in a shop and fish bum a little bit, we point them in that direction. You know, there are fly shops all over the West, and a lot of them are looking to fill positions each year. So, yeah. Um, that's where a lot of our students get their start. They'll go to work in a fly shop and, uh, over time, maybe take some guide trips that first year, walk waiting, maybe not. Maybe it's a year or two before, uh, you know, places like out here in, in Bozeman, Livingston, Ennis, um, kind of the big leagues out here. And, uh, these outfitters want you to live in the town and row the river and fish the rivers and, and learn where every boat ramp is, that kind of thing before you start guiding out here. So that's, yeah. that's what a lot of our students wind up doing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. Well, let's, um, yeah, we're going to jump in. Um, uh, you know, I want to jump into eventually some taming stuff and maybe that would be a good example to talk sure. about, you know, the guide connection there. But, um, before we do, can you just talk about, uh, you know, the guide school, you know, the whole process, maybe take it from somebody who's new and, and, and what that's like, what, what they can expect if they're getting into it. Yeah. Well, so, um, it's, uh, it's a pretty common thing for, for people to come through our school, um, in, in my scenario, you know, say mid, late twenties, early thirties, 
um, maybe a little misguided after college, don't know exactly what you want to do with your life, and, and maybe have tried a couple of careers that didn't mm-hmm. work out. We see a lot of those. We see a lot of uh, you know 18-year-olds heading off to college, and they're just looking for a summer job, either working at a fly shop or a dude ranch, taking walkway trips, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then we have a demographic of, of people later in life, you know, maybe at the end of their career and, uh, they're, they're looking for something for their twilight years of working before retirement, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, they've, they've sat at the desk for 20, 25 years and now they want to go guide. Um, so that's where a lot of our folks come from. And, uh, you know, with the school, it's, um, it's a week long course. So we have, uh, uh, a lot to accomplish, um, in a week. But one of the things we do is we try and, you know, really set people up to be able to continue to learn. Um, it's obviously not a whole lot of people are going to be super, super guide ready just after a week of, of schooling. So we try and give them some tools for, for some things to work on after the class. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, and then we're there. We're uh, we're not just a um, you know a bunch of guides that are just doing a guide school in their off season. We have um, a couple of employees, Ron Meek uh, and myself, who uh, are, are full time with the guide school. That's that's literally all we do. So we're kind of always available um, for them after the class. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So so basically, and then so you go through a week. So somebody comes in. Let's say it's that you know, it's that person in their, you know, kind of the mid range, right. They've already done a few careers and they're or like yourself, you know, you you had something, you hit the, you know, the, the crazy 2008, you know, collapse. Um, So you're out there and you you find this thing, you're like, man, well, yeah, why wouldn't I want to go try out this guiding? What's the first thing? So they come in on a, on a, like a a Monday morning, come in to jump in with their books sort of thing, or what, what, what's the first day look like? Yeah, sure. We uh, pick people up on uh, Saturday afternoon. We take them out to our lodge. We've uh, got a location. Actually, we just purchased. It's a beautiful property um, down on the Bighorn River, which is where we do most of our training. Mm-hmm. And um, Saturday is just kind of a get-to-know-each-other day. One of the coolest parts of the school is the camaraderie. You know, we've got uh, 9 to 12 strangers who are <laughs> just meeting each other. But uh, it's always cool to see on Saturday afternoon some of those connections and friendships that are already starting to build all through fly fishing. You know, that's Mm -hmm. just one of the greatest equalizers um, when it comes to folks getting to know each other. And, uh, yeah, so they come in on uh, Saturday night, and then we start, like, around lunchtime on Sunday with with some classroom stuff. We try and keep – we call it driver's ed. We try and keep driver's ed off the river on the weekends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're doing boating training Monday morning and, um, classroom stuff's pretty, pretty short. We do a bit of it, but, uh, you know, we're here cause we all prefer to be on the river. <laughs> so we try and spend most of our time on the water and, and not sitting in a boring classroom. Yeah. But, uh, the classroom stuff is cool. We spend some time working on, uh, um, some knots, some rigging, a uh, little bit of fly tying, um, some casting instruction, um, you know, not just how to cast better yourself, but how to how to teach casting right. um, as well. And so we try and limit that classroom stuff to about an hour every morning. And uh, then we get out, we put boats on the river. We put uh, two or three drift boats on every day. And uh, we also do jet boating. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, we put a jet boat on the lower Bighorn. We send a lot of grads up to Alaska. Yeah. So that jet boating experience is uh, really for those guys. Is that is, – and you're sending people kind of all over Alaska? I mean, there could be destinations in different uh, – All right? over, yeah. yeah from yeah. from uh, the boat ramp stretches on the Kenai to some – pretty remote stuff uh even further up north yeah gotcha okay Um, well what do you think i mean before we jump into the mongolia i mean as far as guiding if somebody wanted to was thinking about this guiding what do you think is the you know the biggest challenge to uh to becoming a successful guide or the the, maybe the biggest hurdle how you teach these people to be you know because you hear about alaska and you hear about right you got you got new guys you got old guys you got guys that are you know maybe not the greatest guys i mean how do you be a successful guide 
Well, one of the tricky things is it's a uh, it's it's seasonal. So, um, and when you start off, you may not have the longest season. So, um, figuring out how to make it work financially. Um, some of the other obstacles, you know, can be a lot of our students have have wives and families. Um, you know, so how do you balance guiding and uh, and being away? certain parts of the year and, and maintaining that, that family thing. So those are some of the logistical things. You're, yeah. you're not, not only just working, living and working in your hometown anymore. You've, you've got to travel a little bit yep. um, to some of those places. Right. And uh, some people do find just packing their families up and <laughs> moving them out West, you know, um, chasing a dream. That's yep. uh, that's what a lot of it is, is really, really for these folks, just chasing a dream. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, let's um, yeah, let's jump into a little bit on the Mongolia. I, I haven't uh, really talked about this on the show, and you've done Great. some guiding up there a few years at least. Uh, maybe you know, talk about uh, the lodge. I think you 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 have a lodge up there. I've looked at some of the photos at least. Can you describe sure. you know if somebody's coming in what what they can expect on a, a you know Mongolia trip? Uh, it's it's the Mongolian experience. It really is. We have uh, two lodges. Um, along the Egg River over there, separated by, oh, roughly 70 miles. How do you and, spell that? Um, the egg? Uh, E-G. Oh, just E-G, yeah. Yep. Um, separated by roughly 70 miles. And uh, we have some permanent structures um, on the property. The uh, the guest stay in traditional Mongolian gears or yurts, you know, the, the hmm. round tents with the stoves in the middle. Oh, yeah. So. Um, uh, five-star accommodations, it's not, uh, but that's, that's one of the things people love it about there is, is they've traveled most likely for two or three days and they, they finally get out there and they get that cool, uh, backcountry Mongolian experience of, of sleeping in a gear, just like the, uh, just like the locals do. <laughs> cool. Um, permanent structures though, we do have, uh, got some flush toilets now that was kind of a big upgrade we've <laughs> got uh showers we've got a sauna you know things like that a mm-hmm. permanent structured dining room it's it's comfortable enough but also without uh taking away the charm of mongolia you know gotcha and w- when's the best time to go there if you're planning a trip well so our season's actually pretty short um the month of september into early october uh, is about all we're able to fish over there um Springtime, the the waters are closed. Um, protecting that the fishery is is something that uh, the Mongolians have, have really strived to do. So during spawning season, um, they don't allow fishing, mm-hmm. and then they have uh, obviously a huge runoff with all the snow over there, um, as well as a monsoon season. So it's mm-hmm. really that that early fall. Um, is about all we can reliably book over there with expectations of, of reasonable river conditions. So, um, but that's not a bad thing. We're only putting, you know, four or five weeks worth of anglers on a uh, fishery that's that's definitely a sensitive one. You know, there's uh, there's a finite number of of fish out there to eat, and even fewer, you know, truly giants, which mm. are the ones that you're you're going over there to protect. Those are fish that are 20, 30 years old. Yeah. So uh, we're not beating up on them for you know seven or eight months a season, which is ultimately a good thing. Gotcha. How how big uh, are those fish? Like weight, you know, poundage? Yeah, sure. So let's let's say our average fish we're catching is uh, two to three foot long. Okay. Uh, a big one's over 40 inches. Yep. Um, and then, you know, over 50 is kind of your fish of a lifetime um, fish. Gotcha. Uh, they're all pretty special, though. Huh. And what, uh, so in a day, I mean, are you just getting into a chance at a fish or two sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little better than steelheading, right. I always say. Um, <laughs> I always say we're going to have somewhere between... Oh, four to seven encounters a day. Yeah. And it's kind of up to us what we do with those encounters. But uh, not uncommon to come back to the uh, lodge at the end of the day with, say, one to three fish caught. Um, If an angler catches 10 in a week over there, that's a pretty good week. Right, right. right. And is it uh, similar to steelheading, like, techniques-wise? Uh, it's, it's kind of a combination of, uh, steelhead fishing and brown trout fishing. Um, we certainly do a a bit of fly swinging. Um, but, um, 
really aggressively fishing the fly while it's swinging, um, popping it and dropping oh, yeah. it back. We uh, spend a lot of time fishing topwater flies, um, gurglers, chuggers, uh, mouse patterns, rodents, that type of mm. thing. Um, that's the big payoff. Yeah. Uh, seeing a time and eat on the surface is one of the most violent things you'll see in fly fishing. It's, it's pretty incredible. So uh, for fishing streamers, we kind of cheat people out of that opportunity. However, um fishing streamers does produce uh, a lot of the times the bigger fish that we see so that's the big trade-off okay and it, and it sounds in in timing is it time that's the correct uh, correct timing correct yeah timon, you hear timing a lot uh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll i won't correct somebody if they call it that but yep. uh, timing is what the locals call timing yep. okay all right perfect Okay, so uh, so yeah, and it's a little bit of a, a you know logistically kind of you know getting over there and all that. Do you guys you know if somebody wanted to do that trip, what would you recommend? Just uh, go go to your website and check it out. And uh, yeah, for sure. No, we're um, Sweetwater Travel. We um, are the booking agent. There there are lodges we own and operate, and we're the outfitter for you. So we've been going over there twenty one years, twenty two years, something like that. Uh, so. Yeah, we got a pretty good idea of, of uh, uh, how to talk people through the process. It's it's a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm leaving here out flying out of Bozeman, um, it, it's literally three days to get to the wow. to get to the camp and three days to get home. So if huh. you're fishing for a week, plan on taking another week off for travel, yep. basically, and then however much time you might need to shake off the jet lag when you get home, because that's that's definitely a part of it. So it is a big trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that, we don't uh, like our Alaska lodges. We don't get people to come back every year because that is such is such a big uh, time commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is is it really is the trip of a lifetime. You know, it's that uh, we hear bucket list with oh, yeah. uh, with time and all the time. People want to get over there once and and see it and do it. Yep. Yep. Okay. And now it's. Uh... Yeah, that makes sense. That far, it, it's definitely going to be a longer trip. What What is um you know. It, you mentioned the the different. I know you have a bunch of the Sweetwater has different locations. I mean, overall, and, and you mentioned a shop. What do you think? What does Sweetwater do best? If you had to say, you know, one thing, are you guys more the the guide school, or, or what is that one thing? Well, I mean, the the timing operation is it's it's our flagship. That's kind of oh, what put okay. us on the map. Yeah. Um, uh, that being said, uh, you know, our operations in, in British Columbia and Alaska are, are, are super sought after, mm-hmm. you know, they're, uh, those weeks, those really good weeks get rebooked every year and, and space is limited mm-hmm. for sure. So those places are, are amazing to get to as well, but a little bit more difficult to get to, um, Whereas, say, our operations in uh, Mongolia may have some more space, uh, Mangrove Cay in the Bahamas mm-hmm. or uh, Agua Boa, um, typically the longer seasons for those. So there is, is more space available gotcha. at those lodges. Yeah. yeah. So you so you start out. So Mongolia was the kind of the first destination, then slowly Sweetwater grew from there? Right, right. Dan, Jeff, and Pat Vermillion are the three brothers who, who founded Sweetwater. And... Uh, they were uh, they were explorers for sure. So that kind of stuff really appealed to them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trying to fish on fish places and and do something that uh, um, nobody's ever done before. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like I've talked to a few. You know, of the travel, I talked to um, you know Jim Klug about the yellow dog thing, and uh-huh. you know he started in Belize, and it was kind of the same thing. They started Belize, they kind of dialed that in, and then they slowly grew. Do, do you see? I'm not even sure. I mean, there's travel companies out there, but it seems like you guys are one of the bigger ones. Do you see, is that the story? And are there uh, quite a few different uh, fly fishing travel companies out there? Yeah, you know, certainly. Um, Frontiers, Yellow Dog, the fly shop does a ton of that. Mm-hmm. They they actually do a lot more booking and travel than than we do. We're a little bit of a different animal um, in the fact that we have fewer destinations, but, uh, um, for most of our destinations other than Agua Boa, you know, we're the, we're the primary outfitter, um, which allows us to, you know, we're, we're hiring our own guides. We're hiring our oh, own right. staff. Um, we, we have a lot of control over the quality. So somebody who's fished with us, say in Alaska, um, can expect some of the same, uh, same quality if they fish with us down in, in, the the bahamas or or here in montana um 
So that's one of the things we really strive for uh, to differentiate ourselves. And okay. uh, yeah, then of course the guide school uh, being the other thing that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's and I mean we obviously just touched the service on the guide school. Is there you know anything else on that school that you know you'd like to touch on just so people understand you know what it's uh, what it's all about? Well, sure. You know, it. Um, I, I get a little. Uh, I get a little wishy-washy about it sometimes, and then passionate. It's. Uh, it, it was something that really, really changed my life um, for the better. I mean, I was. I was heading in a direction that was fine, but uh, it really opened some doors up for me, and, and we hear that from a lot mm-hmm. of our grads. The other thing it does is, uh, like I said, it puts you in contact with. Uh, with the other students who will be in class with you and uh you know some real bonds are forged there so aside from just the experience of of going to a guide school and and trying to get a job in the business uh there's some pretty cool stuff that occurs there you know a lot of folks even take our class that have have no interest in guiding whatsoever um they're just trying to get uh a little bit more self-sufficient, a little sharper with their own fishing skills. Maybe they want to buy a boat and take their family fishing and be able to, to safely row them down the river and and rig them up that type of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a school for everybody. You know, we've, uh, um, we're taking people, you know, 16, 17 years old who are looking for a job in college. Like I say, on up to, we've had, we've had folks in their seventies no come kidding. and take their class. So oh, wow. yeah, men, women, we've yeah. had, uh, mothers and daughters take the class, fathers, sons, grandfathers. <laughs> uh, it, it really is a, it's a family thing when we're out there together. It, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And you've been, and this has been about 20 years. The school's been going. Yeah. Yeah. They, they first, uh, did a school up on the Copper River in Alaska, um, which is definitely not the Bighorn. It's uh, yeah. full of rapids and giant rocks, and they were training people how to run boats on that. And it was not the safest decision. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we, we moved our school down here to uh, Montana, uh, <laughs> a lot less bumps and bruises and, and blood and that oh, sort wow. of thing. <laughs> Um, Did, you know, nobody, nobody died for, up there, huh? Uh, nobody died, but I think there were a couple of jet boats that got laid on their side. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we decided to bring it down to the Bighorn, um, in the Yellowstone, which are much, much safer rivers to, to jet boat and, uh, and to row. Also a lot easier for people to get to, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yep. Well, what is that person? So if they're heading up to Alaska Lodge, that first guide, I mean, what, what would you tell them to expect? you know, if they've never been to Alaska before. Sure. Um, get ready to work your butt off. Um, that is not a glory position. You know, a first year guide up in Alaska for, for a lot of folks, it's boot camp up <laughs> there. Um, you are going to show up and you're going to be in charge of getting that lodge ready to go for people. And your, your priority may be to get out there and see the river, um, and learn how to fish it, but that lodge owner is going to need you to probably dig out house holes and uh, mount motors to jet boats mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may get to see the river before you guide it, so just be ready to get thrown into the fire. Uh, the great thing with that is the the experience you'll come away with after a, a rookie season up in Alaska. Um, if if you can survive it, that gives you a lot of street cred, you know, mm-hmm. that you've actually guided up there and, and done it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our, our big job is to uh, find people that first job. And no first job is a bad job, you know. So um, even though it may not be the, the guiding of the lifestyle you're used to, if you can go and live and work in Alaska for a season and tough it out, that'll uh, open a lot more doors up for you in the industry, for sure, having that on your resume in the future. I see. So that's the first, uh, you guys try to get people up to Alaska as their their first job. Is that typical? Uh, Alaska's, I'd say, our most popular one. There's also a lot of, um, you know, dude ranches and guest ranches out here in the West uh, that uh, need people to... Mm -hmm you know, be part of their fly fishing program. Sometimes it's on horseback. Sometimes they take boats out. Sometimes it's all walk waiting sure. that kind of thing. Um, you know, places where there's a lot of turnover, uh, 
there's obviously less less turnover in in Livingston or Ennis where people are taking day trips and going home to their wives and kids uh, versus these places where you live and work. Of course, the big advantage to that is they're uh, getting their lodging and their meals paid for, so yeah. a young person can really. Um, save some money, especially right. say if they're heading back to school in the fall, um, working at a job like that where everything's provided. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a good point. What is the, um, you know, again, I guess we're talking about that younger person there. How would, how would uh, that person know if they were, you know, had what it takes to be a guide or do you think just everybody, everybody can do it? Sure. Um, uh, well, we do sit down with each of our students at the end of the week and, uh, do an exit interview where we sort of make a plan. We kind of review their their uh, strengths and weaknesses, maybe give them some homework for some things to work on. But then we talk about what the what the job possibilities realistically are. You know, some people come through class having owned a drift boat already, and they're guide ready. They could guide you know the Bighorn or the Yellowstone the next day if they needed to after spending a few days on it, learning it. And then others, we try and point in uh, directions where they can um, get jobs where they can maybe learn a little more. Maybe they're not strong boaters, so here here's a place where you're going to be walk waiting only. Um, maybe they're not strong with their knots or uh, uh, reading water. So, okay, here, mm-hmm. go work in a fly shop and just fish as much as you can on your time off. And uh, go down the river with some of the shop's guides, you know, uh, row their boats for them, get some practice in there. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems like the one challenge, you know, you talk about, you know, learning, well, reading the water, there's things like that, you know, but as far as, you know, finding fish and on those lines, um, you know, you get out there, you take the guide school for a week, you know, how, how does somebody, isn't it just time? Don't you just know where the fish are over time? And if you're a new guide, you know, how do you get to that point? Especially if it's day one with your clients, um, I guess the shop, if you work for a place, you probably have some mentor, right. That's helping, you know, that new guide. Ideally, yeah. No, and, and one of the popular things we hear from lodge owners is uh, is that they can teach the fishing. You know, what they want is somebody who's going to get up on time, somebody who's going to have all their stuff with them, somebody who's going to get along with the rest of the staff and, and not be easily frustrated or get into beefs with other people. They, uh, they want the person. They want the, the personality and the teaching they can, or the fishing they can teach. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes it actually makes it sound a little more uh, doable, you know, because, you know, if, if you absolutely, could, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like almost anybody, as long as you got the right personality, you can probably, you know, somebody can teach you how to catch fish. Right. These, these lodges exist on these, these waters cause the fishing's good, you yeah. know? So, right. uh, they, they really do feel like they have those tools to, uh, um, to teach them themselves, but, uh, really they want a responsible person who, uh, who they don't have to worry about with, with clients on the customer service end of things, you know? Yeah. 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 What's your, uh, you know, for that person, what would be a, say that, you know, guy going out there, a good uh, guide tip? Do you have a, you know, a tip or two that are, you know, before he gets out on his own that you would, you would give him? Yeah, we actually, we have a list that's in our manuals. It's, it's kind of a list of commandments. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we, is, is that something we go you can over find, that with them. You can't find that online anymore, your 10 commandments. No, 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 no. You get one of those when, uh, okay. when you come to attend the class. Gotcha. But, uh, I, I'd say the biggest one that we have there near the top of that list is, is to hustle and hmm. pay attention, you know, just work your butt off. Yeah. Um, you know, misconception coming into guiding is that it's a replacement for a real job, which that is absolutely so far from the truth. Um, hustle and, and work your butt off. Those are going to be the things that are going to impress clients who are going to, you know, give you a good review. That's going to impress the vet, impress the veteran guides who are wondering if you've got what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to impress that lodge owner who wants to who's trying to figure out if they're going to invite you back next year, you know? So hustle, work hard at everything you do. And as long as you work hard, um, the rest of the stuff usually comes. Okay. 
And and you uh, mentioned uh, the the three. I guess were they uh, three brothers that, that founded? Uh, no. Cigar? What was there? One of those guys that you kind of know or been around more, and somebody that you know uh, that was kind of a mentor. Or were, were there some mentors in your life in the fly fishing? Def- definitely. Uh, um, Dan Vermillion is is an amazing amazing personality uh, in fly fishing. He's uh, one of the more smart, intelligent, well spoken people. <laughs> Um, you've ever come around he 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 sort of definitely commands respect when he enters the room uh for the for the good person that he is and then for all the things that he's accomplished in uh in fishing he uh he was the one who took uh president obama fishing oh no kidding out here to montana (laughs) yeah that's awesome um no he's uh he's a great man really is and then uh ron meek would be the other one um this is a bit of a transition time for sweetwater guide school uh Ron Meek is a, a 30-year guide who is retiring this next year. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, in the past three seasons, I've been kind of worked into his position running and managing the guide school. And uh, he's he's about to completely step away. Hmm. Um, he's the guy who's been doing it uh, for a long, long time. He was on the ground floor with the Vermilions building that uh, those camps over in Mongolia back in the mid-'90s. Yeah. And, uh um, you know, he's, he's as legit as any fishing guide out there as far as the places that he's guided, Russia, Mongolia, Chile, all over the U S West, Alaska. Um, but a lot of people have never heard of him unless they've been involved with Sweetwater or, uh, the guide school. He's, he's not a big promoter, you know, right. he's, he's a very, very humble man. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I've really tried to strive for and teach is uh, as successful you are in fly fishing, you know, just to just to stay humble. We've all been around those personalities in fly fishing. They're loud. And uh, some of those guys are great. They're great for our sport. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody who's who's teaching people how to be professional guides, uh, you know, he's, he's really taught me a lot about uh, how to be a good example for these young folks. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, that's part of the guiding, you know, like the, the storytelling thing, right? I mean, you're on a guide trip and you got somebody who can tell some good stories. Do you, do you see that that's a big part of a uh, bonus of, of a good, the good guides? Oh, huge. Yeah. Having the gift of gab, yeah. having a, a fun personality, you know, somebody you don't mind spending eight hours in the boat with or somebody you'll you'll travel half the world to go spend the day in the boat with <laughs> right. uh that's that's a huge part of it is the personalities in our business yeah, yeah. a thousand percent that seems like kind of one of the i mean you hear occasionally stories and you've probably seen some <laughs> of them i mean are there any stories of you get out to these lodges and you got a bunch of people i guess occasionally they're random people right just getting together in a group that are at the lodge that where maybe things happen that uh you have to deal with that aren't necessarily the the best thing do, do you hear about those situations sure, How do, sure. yeah no we've, we've all got those stories uh for sure and uh no just uh being the professional being the composed one um you'll have guests that'll try and bait you into stuff, whether it's ethics on fishing or, or politics. That's another big one that you'll try and get baited into. Oh, and, uh, really? Like, like talking yeah. about politics and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you pretty much have to um, not talk. Is that, that it? Just don't talk about politics. Yeah, no things to avoid, uh, watching your jokes because you don't have your audience, um, oh, or right. know your audience Politically necessarily. Correct. So yeah, just trying to avoid all that stuff and staying pro- as professional as possible. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Don't, don't take the bait. I heard this uh, story. It was uh, you know, long story short, but basically, you know, I mean, people that do these trips have a lot of money, right? I mean, that's part of the thing to, you know, some yep. of these places and, it was one of those things where one of the guys that probably had most, you know, the majority of the money and out of the, anybody there, he, mm-hmm. you know, he really wanted his his way. You know, he he wanted to to go to this spot and and there were a couple of people that hadn't caught fish uh, on the on the trip on this big lodge trip yet, and so everybody got together and said, you know what, let's get these couple clients right. into some fish. So they gave him first shot at the uh, at the spot. It was just a hot. There was only one spot that was hotter because everything was blown out up in Alaska. And, uh, and this guy with all the money showed up, he forced his, uh, his guide to bring him to the spot. Yeah. And it was this kind of conflict, like, wow. I mean, you know, what do you do when you're a guide in that situation? I mean, you're for you, this one guide's forced to bring him the other guides like, what's going on here? I mean, I mean, obviously that's pretty extreme, but you know what I mean? If you're, if you're a new guide in that situation, what, what sort of advice would you give somebody? 
Well, you know, that, that's certainly a, a, a tough call. And uh, ideally, you hope you're working for uh, an outfitter um, or a lodge manager that'll have your back in those All scenarios. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, you, you got to make it fair for everybody. You got to kind of play by the rules. And hopefully with a customer like that, you can have your chance to sort of explain to them, you know, the way things work, the rotation that's there. And, uh, boy, if they're going to be the, the type of person that's going to, um, you know, blow up a whole bunch of other people's fishing experience, yeah. um, in the name of a few thousand dollars, it's, it's kind of not worth it. No. You know what I mean? Um, those experiences are, are, are there for everybody. Those waters and those fish were there for everybody. And, uh, and also being able to gingerly work that balance with with making a buck and uh, trying to m- maintain the fisheries quality. You know, hopefully you can have that discussion with that person professionally. Mm-hmm. Try and explain things the way things work and and try and make it work out for everybody. But those are those are certainly the the more difficult scenarios you come into as a fishing guide. Yeah, is uh, managing people, their expectations, and and their frustrations. Yep. Yep, that's yeah. it. That's it. Okay. And what? And how do you feel about? Um, it sounds like potentially running the guide school as as the head person. How, how does that make you? Sure. You, yeah. Sure. No, I, I'm excited. Um, I, I really am. I, I again, you know, going back to Dan Vermillion and Ron Meek, I've I've been really prepared, really well. Um, this is a project we've been working on for about the past four seasons, and them sort of grooming me um, mm-hmm. into taking this position. And uh, Ron's been kind of slowly letting his hand off the wheel for about four years now. So uh, I'm not being thrown into it. Um, You know, I'm I'm trying to maintain those connections that he has in the industry and and maintain his program that he's he's put forward. He's got a great one. And uh, the staff that I have around me, too, is is amazing. Um, The the other instructors, they they make it easy. our instructors either guide for us at our uh, Alaska or Mongolia locations or here in Montana. Um, that's that's the common thread with all of our instructors is they either guide for us or they're somebody who's come through our school. Most of our instructors have actually come through the school as well. Oh, okay. um, we've got some real seasoned instructors that are you know, 12, 15-year veterans of Alaska, Mongolia, um, Montana. And then we actually, we try and rotate in some guys that may be second or third year guys, um, and gals. Uh, we have a couple of, of, uh, um, female instructors as well. Um, people who maybe have their, their finger on the pulse a little bit better of, of, uh, a young person breaking into the business. The, the new experiences are fresher. So, you know, it's not just a bunch of grizzled veterans. We, we bring in some young people, too, um, mm-hmm. to help us teach the class, which right. which keeps it fresh, for right. sure, for all of us. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Yeah, and so I've got a great staff around me. really what, do, above and below. What's the, I was just going back to that uh, Obama trip. What, what was that? Were you there when uh, Dan took him out? I, I wasn't there on that one. Uh, this was, I, I believe... It was after he he won the election in '08 or '09. Yeah. He, uh, but you were working came for the out company. For a town. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came out for a uh, a town hall meeting, um, in Belgrade, and the idea was they were going to go to Odell Creek, the Spring Creek in Ennis, and the helicopter couldn't fly because of weather, uh, so they wound up going to a piece of property, a friend of Dan's who has property on the East Gallatin River, and. And fished a hopper dropper rig for a couple hours. Yep. They uh, talked about the possibility of doing a float trip, uh, but staging Secret Service and helicopters <laughs> flying yeah. around. Uh, uh, it's, it's my I, it's my understanding the president didn't want to blow up the river like that and disturb a whole bunch of other people's oh, experience. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, no, sure. Dan was was guiding the president on the East Gallatin, um, surrounded by Secret Service, who were hopefully kind of staged to where they weren't going to spook the fish yeah um or you know completely kill the experience of God, it as well either. that would have been yeah. fu- that would have been pretty funny to be there to see what that actually lo- or have a uh yeah have a drone up there just to see what that looks super like. different guide trip yeah, yeah for sure different. yeah no and at the at the offices here in livingston we still have uh we still have his fishing license framed oh um, really it's kind of cool you know on the license it has his name and his address 1600 pennsylvania oh. 
Avenue, uh, Washington, D.C. What's your occupation? <laughs> President of the United States. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good. pretty cool memento. Well, what was the last, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, when, who was the last president other than uh, before him that was a fly fisherman? Well, Jimmy Carter. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Um, he, uh, he's actually fished with us uh, in our, our uh, Mongolia location. Oh, no kidding. I want to wow. say, yeah, I want to say it was 2013 or 14. Yeah. No kidding. Came out to uh, came out to Mongolia. Caught a few timing with us. That's so, awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, we've gotten the had the pleasure to fish a couple of presidents. Right on, right on. Yeah, he's still he's still going strong, isn't he out there? Yep, sure is. Cool. All right. Well, we're uh, I think we sort. I feel pretty good about the uh, you know getting a feel for the the guide school. You know, I mean, it sounds like it's all encompassing. You know, obviously you can't teach everything. You know, you you have right. a, um, you're up there in Alaska and your motor breaks down. I'm sure you can't cover every situation. I. But you know, you guys do. You know, with bit, the jet yeah. boating, that's that's what we spend most of our time doing. Oh, okay. Um, actually, it's troubleshooting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> driving a jet boat is is really not that difficult. There's some common sense stuff to it, but we devote a lot of time in, in troubleshooting and quick fixes of that uh, of that outboard. Yeah. 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 It seems like that's. Um... Yeah. Obviously, there's that skill, but just yeah, not making mistakes and being on your game because. You know, up in Alaska, yeah, you can make one mistake might be uh, might be a, a big thing, right? The stakes are a little higher up there for yeah. sure. You know, yeah. So many students come to our class, and and when they're rowing the boat, or when they're doing a mock guiding scenario, or, or grabbing the tiller handle for the first time, a lot of them are, are pretty nervous. Um, but uh, the thing I always try and tell folks is, hey, this is practice. You know, this is not the game. Um, yeah. This is where you can goof up. We're, we're trying to get you guys ready for game time, which is going to be your first guide trip. Yep. Um, but but come on out, hang out with us, make some mistakes. Let's all learn from them together. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's um, is there are there any other resources? You know, I mean, you guys that you have the guide school. I mean, I'm not even sure if you guys have like kind of the online blog posts, things like that. Are there other resources you'd recommend that maybe isn't your own stuff, where somebody can learn a little bit, a little bit about guiding and, and you know that end? Sure. Um, you know, April Volke actually on her podcast oh, uh, did a three-part series that was kind of an intro to guiding, oh, and cool. uh, I, I've listened to it all. It's actually it's it's a lot of the same stuff we teach, uh, but from a different perspective, a little bit. Okay. Um, I thought that was great on her, her anchored podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, aside from that. Um, uh, there's there's nothing that can replace the knowledge you can gain in a local fly shop you know um mm-hmm. talk to that person behind the counter you know guys in fly shops can be 20-year veterans they can be first-year new guys and uh a lot of times they've probably got a story to tell you know so yeah so much in fly fishing is is learned by just meeting people and sharing and and trying to maybe meet some industry people and find out what their story is. Um, attend one of these big shows, you know, the, the fly fishing show specifically, mm-hmm. uh, we attend a few of those, um, go listen to some seminars, go, go talk to people in the booth, you know, uh, networking is so huge in this business, in the yeah. industry. Um, a lot of times it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, and, uh, yeah, get out there and try and make some connections. Nice. Um, we've had a lot of our students who have done some pretty successful things completely independent of us. You know, we, we kind of gave them their start, but then they went off on their own and made their own connections, made their own friends, traveled to some really cool places mm-hmm. and uh, are doing some amazing things now. Yeah. 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 No, those are good. Those are good. All good resources. I'll I'll put a, a link in the show notes to um, a- April's uh, anchored uh, those episodes. I, I haven't listened. That's definitely love. Uh, April does some good stuff there. So yeah, um, I'll highlight that. Um, well, we're just kind of going to wrap things up here quickly. I usually like to start off the kind of the you know the rapid fire here at the end, just with the the two twenty two, which is the top two tips, top two resources, and you know, and top two flies, uh, you know, and we, I guess we're talking Ooh. about a little bit about taming here. We could go back to that and, you know, sure. circle around to tame. So you mentioned a bunch of flies. If you had to just say two for tame, or, and again, I'm saying taming for timing, um, what, what would uh-huh. those, what would those two flies be? Uh, okay. So the one I'd, I'd, I'd take a top water and a streamer, uh, the top water would be the cyclops. It, uh, oh, it's, uh, um, 
basically a bait fish turned on its side with a big foam gurgler head um, and a, a single eye looking down into the river. That's been a <laughs> great, great topwater pattern. We tie them about five inches long on a on a B10S three-odd three hot hook. Um, really, really a cool fly. Pops through the water, great, makes a lot of noise. Um, the other one would be, you know, some sort of a bucktail streamer. Uh, Pat Cohen. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've uh, really fallen in love with that man bear pig, which <laughs> is about an eight inch long, super stacked deer hair, twisty tail out the back. That thing pushes some water. And uh, oh. I've, I've seen a lot of com- time and caught on that fly in particular. He was nice enough to send, uh, send a bunch our way oh, cool. um, over the years. Yep. Cool. That is a. Uh... Man, man, bear, pig. That's the name of the fly. Yes. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> no, you get to fish some really fun flies that you would you would never get to fish uh, just, just straight trout fishing here in Montana. <laughs> over there. It's pretty fun. That yeah. is cool. Yeah, I've got uh, – I was chatting with Pat. I think um, – I think we're going to talk about some small mouth, uh, small mouth bass down in a couple months. So I'll, I'll hopefully Great. Get, get him on yeah, and, and get into some of that stuff. Okay. So amazing good. tire. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then, um, so I guess we talked about little tips, but if you're saying tips for, uh, for timing, what, uh, any, any two tips you'd throw out there? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have, uh, have some folks say, Hey, I've fished for tarpon. I can, you know, I can do this tarpon. You are casting so little compared to how much you'll be casting in, uh, in Mongolia. So be prepared to just push through, um, a, a lot of times where your shoulder or your elbow may be bothering you. Um, I always tell people when you're timing fishing, every cast, you're buying a lottery ticket. The more tickets you buy, the better chance you have of hitting that lottery. <laughs> so be prepared to push through the pain um, yeah. because we're throwing nine and 10 weight rods over and over and over covering as much water as possible. Is this, and, and uh, you guys aren't doing one, the spay, you guys aren't doing the spay uh, game up there. <clears throat> you know, we certainly do. Um, the flies themselves are so wind resistant. Um, the spay cast mainly just puts the, the line out in front of you and you aren't spay casting much more than your head. And then you're just doing a big pick it up and overhand two hand chucking that fly out there. There be very, very difficult to snap to your double spay, you know, oh. uh, one of those big wind resistant deer hair gotcha. um, poppers or a large bucktail stream or yep. something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I love spay rods. They cover a ton of water. They're long. So when you have a real violent head shaking fish, that rod can get to bouncing quite a bit. So uh, if you're good at handling a spay rod, if you've done some Atlantic salmon, steelhead fishing, great. Bring it. Catch some timing with it. If you've never handled one, I, I wouldn't say that's your best tool for it. Yep. If you're used to a single-handed rod, there's a lot more bounce. So we uh, we lose less fish on single-hand rods. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> um, other tip would be body positioning. You know, you get kind of lazy about two or three o'clock and your head and your shoulders may be turned away from your rod, which is pointed straight due left opposite of your hips. Square yourself up to that rod. Uh, give a little forward lean into it. Be ready. And you have to be ready for roughly seven, eight hours of fishing because when that bite finally does come it's a hard hard strip set similar to like a a tarpon and uh you're trying to peg a big big hook into a uh a big hard mouth so if you're kind of slacking a little bit not looking the right direction your hands in a bad position your rods at a bad angle um that can be the difference between a hookup or not yeah that's cool I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I compare a lot of these things to steelhead fishes. I think, you know, just sure. uh, yesterday or yeah, I guess it was yesterday, you know, I was out and I had, you know, swinging, just swinging some flies for summer steelhead and had this fish that just came up and it, you know, I grabbed it, but it, but I, yeah. that was it. It was just a grab. And, you know, I tried to put it back, but it didn't get there. And, you know, and, and I wasn't doing much. I was just swinging, you know, almost mindlessly, right? That's with steelhead. You can right. just swing, swing. But with, with timing, you're saying you're never, you're on every cast. 
Yeah. So we leave the line out long. We don't strip retrieve it. We strip and then we drop that line back. So we strip it in, drop it back. So we're kind of pop, 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 oh, pop, pop right. as it goes gotcha. across the surface. Yep. So, you, yeah, your hands are busy. You don't get to kind of, yep. you know, just put the loop in the line and stick a hand in the pocket and wait for the <laughs> thing to swing. Yeah, you're uh, you're working that fly through the water the whole time. It's extremely busy and, oh, and physically yeah. demanding. Yeah, That's cool. for sure. That's cool. But yeah. worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, after all that. Okay. And uh, and then as far as resources, any good uh, time in resources, any, you know, books? magazines uh blogs anything you'd recommend if somebody was you know wanted to put that together uh i I had the pleasure of three years working with uh one of the industry greats over there my my friend and roommate uh yaku lucas oh yeah um anything and everything he's done on uh time and fishing whether it's it's podcast interviews um he he did a film himself ra biotti came over and, and did a film uh, for the fly fishing film tour, those guys have done such an amazing job of of painting the picture of what the fishery actually is through their their writings, their interviews, their uh, um, their movies. Uh, yeah, find anything that they they have done. Yako specifically, that guy's uh, enthusiasm for time and fishing or fishing in general is is not matched by many. No, so, yeah, that's, that's good. He's a great one to follow. Yeah, I had, uh, he was on in episode 68. I think he kind of started off, I'm, I'm kind of on this destination season and we're sure. getting close to, to wrapping it up, you know, uh, but um, yeah, that was an awesome one. His, uh, and now I've been seeing him on Instagram. Gosh, he's been posting all these, bunch of these crazy, red, some huge fish, some red fish. I think he's, he gets around for sure. That's pretty cool. He's, he's entertaining for sure. He's, he's all over the world and, um, you know, I think uh, we, we look at so many of those folks who get to do that world travel stuff. Uh, before I knew Yako, I'd look at those guys and be like, oh, wow, you're lucky. Yep. Um, Yako is not lucky. He is uh, probably one of the most hard hardworking individuals in the fly fishing business I've ever had the chance of working with. They, to be able to, to travel like that and uh, do those movies and, and all the things he's done, he has worked his tail off for it. So. Yep try and pass along to the guide school students is uh is that kind of stuff that's a good yeah that's a good reminder work ethic right exactly it's like the instagram thing you see these big shiny photos but you don't realize what really went into you know the whole the whole life really maybe getting to that point right right absolutely all right well i think we are about there um you know i guess just a couple other little quick ones uh boat wise i know i've seen a lot of uh, i think i'm not sure if they're clackercrafts or hides but do you have a, a drift boat you guys typically use out there and, and are you more of a drift boat or sled guy um i've, I've guided I've, I've guided them both I've, I've definitely spent more days guiding in a drift boat um i teach the jet boating portion of the class as well as the drift boating so i i, I kind of like going back and forth yeah um but uh, um, for the drift boating portion of the class, we have uh, three Clackamaxes. So oh, right. what we have is they're the 18 big 18-foot boats. Yeah. yeah. So what we have is we have um, two students fishing, and one student is rowing, and then there's an instructor in a boat. So we put four people in the boats. Mm-hmm. Cool things happen with that. First of all, four people just socially is kind of a fun boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows, uh, um, you know, for a lot of learning, the, the two people fishing out of the boat, um, is great because, well, we all love to fish and you don't want to not fish coming to guide school. So they get a lot of fishing in and, um, now it's a comfortable boat for a whole bunch of us mm. to fit in with all our gear. So all right. we, we love those Clackamaxes yeah. for sure. Um, I personally, I, I run a row drift boat. Um, love those too. Uh, row and Clack do some great things. Obviously Hyde does some great oh, things. Yeah. Uh, Is row, are they out of Montana? They're out of Bozeman. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the owner's uh gentleman, Robert Edens. He actually, uh, fished with us in Mongolia a couple mm. of years ago. They, uh, they make some great stuff over there for sure. Gotcha. Are you guys the only, um, the main kind of lodge camp lodge show in, in Mongolia? Uh, no, there's definitely some other operations. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, more that have popped up, uh, yeah. Mongolia river outfitters is another one, um, over mm-hmm. there. That's a Western. And then there's some other international ones that, oh, uh, okay. that guide over there as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we've, um, um, we're the only ones who've been there every year for like this past 
22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe we were the first ones to fly fish over there commercially. Oh, okay. What what yeah. have you seen? I think I was reading something about the, you know, something about the, the numbers. I mean, have you seen in those 22 years, the, the time and numbers going up or down or, you know, you know, what, what's going on with that? Down. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, part of it, certainly fishing pressure. We, we kind of wonder what, what sort of a monster we created. Mm. Um, by making fishing popular over there. Um, but at the same time, we, we try and work closely uh, with the Mongolia Time and Fund, the nonprofit over there, um, and, uh, and give back a bit for sure. But uh, no, I hear, I hear the Vermilions talk about the, the number of fish and the size of the fish that they were catching over there in the mid-90s was, was pretty remarkable mm. for sure. And uh, fishing pressure has, has taken a toll. It's it certainly moved some fish around, that sort of thing. But uh, um, a lot of strong juvenile fish, you know, fish that are three to five years old, we're really starting to see some of the efforts of of uh there's there's a whole lot of scientist teams over there uh university of nevada reno uh, rutgers university mm-hmm. sends groups over there that uh study these fish and and help with conservation there's there's some dam projects that are being scheduled over there i'll, I'll try and limit the the conservation stuff but sure. it's uh yeah. it's a it's a lot it's, it's a huge huge effort to try and maintain that fishery over there yep. and uh educating guests while we're over there fishing is a, a big part of what we do as well gotcha okay and what's your um you know your your uh do you have a bucket list destination are you more uh, looking if you had one spot are you going to lodge or are you going more to a mongolia kind of remote camp um well you know certainly living and, and working with uh with uh yaku and, and another one of his buddies uh james topham over there they've they've worked for fly castaway the seychelles have to be on everybody's bucket list yeah. right now and yeah. uh i give a guy like yaku a ton of credit for 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 the movies and the work that he's done over there bringing that to light yeah. um but similar to mongolia it's a huge trip it's, it's super remote for some of the biggest and best fish on the planet uh i'd love to experience something like that someday yeah definitely okay all right. Well, let's see. Oh, um, one more, and then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, music. Please. Do you, do you have a uh, favorite uh, band uh, type oh, of sure. music? Anything you want to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty well known uh, known amongst my friends as the Dave Matthews Band geek. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Followed them around in in the late '90s, early 2000s, in my college years, and have have attempted to attend shows throughout the years. Yep. Not so many lately with. With uh, things like Mongolia, and I've got a sure. little boy, an eighteen-month-old boy at home, oh, wow. so that that part of my life is is more in the past. But yep. uh, I certainly love love Dave Matthews Band, especially their live shows. That's right? Are yeah. they still going strong? They're still cruising. Yeah, yeah, out there uh, about every summer now. A few uh-huh. of the few of the band members have changed, but uh, oh, they have, yeah. And the crowd's getting older. That's yeah. that's certainly true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. When did they? Yeah, they were. Uh, what was it that? What was the period when they first popped out? Kind of now. Yeah, well, it was kind of the mid nineties, like yeah. with the alternative stuff, like the Hootie and the Blowfish right. and uh, the Blues Travelers. They yep. they kind of blew up without Southeast um, alternative culture. Yeah, and uh, really, really kind of blew up with their touring. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to find a, a link out there, a video to something, uh, hopefully something live. I always try to look for <laughs> awesome. a, a good awesome. live live video. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, so cool. All right. Well, in the next uh, six to uh, 12 months, anything new with you or the Sweetwater you want to let us know coming up? Uh, you know, specifically, we've, we've got this brand, brand new lodge um, on the Bighorn. We're really, really excited about it. Uh, uh, our accommodations used to be at a at a very budget-minded um, camp with trailers uh, and small cabins, that type of thing. But we've we've moved into a really really quality lodge. So, you know, it used to be more our demographic was twenty uh, somethings, and putting them up in a in a yep. single wide wasn't that big of a deal. But we're we're definitely getting uh, some doctors and lawyers coming and take our class. So we've got a, a really really nice. Uh, hmm. Oh, uh, six six room lodge, uh, right on the banks of the Bighorn, wow. and uh, we're we're really happy to be moving in there now. Yeah, it's nice. it's it's added to the experience of throwing the frisbee or or the football <laughs> on the lawn or, or having a you know a big campfire after yeah. dinner out by the river. 
Um, uh, just having cool. our own place where we're not having to be quiet and yep. and not bother the other campers. So yeah, that's, great. that's been that's great. great. So there is, yeah, there is time, even though that's the, the guide school, there's a little time to, to relax and, and kick back. Well, and, we got to have our liars hours, right? Oh, yeah. You know, in yeah. the evening time, there's, there's great time to kick back once we're off the river. Oh, around six every evening, you know, it, it's kind of free time. Some folks go fish, um, some people uh, sit around and tie flies. That's one of the things we, we do at uh, guide schools. We provide them with buckets of uh, fly time material for free. So mm-hmm. they're able to sit around the evening time and crank out a whole bunch of bugs. That's that's definitely popular in our shoulder season, spring and fall, where mm-hmm. it's a little darker and colder out there in the evenings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I guess uh, if they want to find you, uh, sweetwatertravel.com is the best place. Yep, you bet. Steve at Sweetwater Travel is my email address. Okay. All right, perfect. All right, Steve. Well, thanks for coming on. I, I can't remember exactly where we connected, but uh, you know, I appreciate you shedding some light on the guide school. I, I know, actually, it's my funny. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it's been good. I think uh, I think Yaku or was it all? No, I think it was Oliver. I had on Oliver White in a past episode. I think uh-huh. he, he mentioned that him and uh, Yaku were thinking about starting a, a guy a, a similar deal and I'm not even sure if they have it I'll have to put a link I'll look that up in the show notes um, but um, yeah it just reminded me when you're you're talking about that that uh, you know I mean you guys are doing a thing you've been doing it probably longer than most out there and uh, but yeah I really sure. appreciate you sh- uh, shedding some light on it yeah well, thanks for having me on I really appreciate it Dave all right we'll talk to you later all right talk all right. to you soon see ya all right bye so there you go if you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 105. I've added some local trips to the uh, the packages we have over at uh, wetflyswing.com slash destination. One, two, three-day trips uh, from guides from this podcast. You can get a bunch of information there. Before I let you go, I wanted to share one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, I've, you know, if you've listened to this for a while, that uh, I'm kind of a podcast addict, and I found the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. So if you're uh, if you're not super young, you probably remember Conan. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been enjoying his interviews, uh, similar to what I have going here. Um, maybe just a little funnier, I guess. But uh, anyways, want to throw that one out there and hope you have a good day. Uh, thanks for stopping by and check out the show today. I'm uh, looking forward to hope, hopefully catching up with you soon, maybe seeing you on the river or online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.